Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, pinch my nipples. It's food for thought. Oh, my God. No, but actually, pinch That's my nipples. That's not no. an expression. <laughs> no, but podcast <laughs> gap fest for in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <laughs> identity, mm. culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for thought. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> I am Tommy Teebs Pico. I'm an indigenous American poet, uh, screenwriter, and I'm ready for a new peen in 2019. Oh, oh that's a poet right there, everybody. Wow, a poem. I'm Fran. I'm a writer, editor, and big announcement, you guys. Um, my pronouns, my preferred pronouns are share. <laughs> share self. <laughs> oh my god! I am share. My preferred pronouns. Thank you for. I'm share. so proud of you thank for sharing. The and thou. <laughs> I am Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and I also learned something this month. I learned that my crotch sweat is worse in winter than in summer. Ew! <laughs> it's so. Gr- always just says the nastiest shit. <laughs> Why do we even have you on here? Nasty, 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 <laughs> and then I have to follow up. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. Well, I'm Dennis Norris the second, and I'm a reader, a writer, a former figure skater, and as of this month, I have entered into my Jesus year, and y'all, huh? Jesus as a hoe. <laughs> That's what it's gonna be. That's what it's gonna be. That's the part they cut out of the Bible. Huh? <laughs> they didn't want you to know. Uh, yes, but Genesis. now you do. The lost Genesis, Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. The lost book Jesus of thought. Jesus on his knees. <laughs> I guess that wouldn't be in Genesis. So it would Jesus be as a spit roast. Jesus as a bukkake bottom. We, we, we're gonna be canceled. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fran, will you deliver us from this mess and tell us what's on the menu today? <laughs> That's right. Okay, so for our um, Moose Bush. Uh, we had just have a live reading of Joe's dating profile. Uh, oh, no. Then for our second course, Joe uh, makes us sad with the power of science. <laughs> per usual. Every time you talk about science, it bumps me out. Uh, for our thought process, you know, we got some small plates for you. And for mm-hmm. dessert, we resolve to be better people. No, we don't. Just yeah. kidding. We're no. fucking trash. No, we don't. We're the same no, no, no. Take it away. Sewage. <laughs> you know what? I'm feeling a little peckish. I think it's, we should start the top of the show the way any good top should with a, a little tease. Our uproarious appetizer segment amuse Boosh, maybe. Um, who got a game for us today? I do. It's me. Today we're going to amuse your Booshes with a good old-fashioned game of Swipe Right, Swipe Left. Um, it is our classic game wherein we swipe on cultural phenomenons. And for those of you who have never... Uh, Used a dating app. Uh, first of all, God bless you. God bless you. Oh. <laughs> Second, uh, swiping right is the good one. Uh huh. And swiping left is the bad one. Uh huh. Oh, yeah, so that was that was perfect, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Basic the, comprehension. The, the Joe Osmondson. <laughs> the exact noises that I make when I swipe right and swipe left. <laughs> um, first up, we have condoms. Oh. A bit of a polarizing topic for some. Uh, I swipe middle. I mean, I am on Truvada, um, and I mostly mitigate my – well, I mitigate my HIV risk with Truvada. Uh, and I have been not using condoms as much. And for me, it's been really liberating because one of the things that always made me be in relationships was because I really like having unprotected sex. And that was really the only, quote, unquote – it was the only way to mitigate your HIV risk and have unprotected sex was if it was mostly monogamous. Uh, so it's been really healthy for me to actually explore unprotected sex with people I trust and protecting myself outside of monogamy. Mm. I mm. swipe right. This is Teebs because I actually like the erotic ritual of putting a condom on somebody, uh, whether like ritual. with my mouth or something else. It's just it's, <laughs> with it's, your it's, mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about skills, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I actually do. I've, I, you know, and the the thing is, like, as a sort, it could have what, what could have been a source of anxiety. I turned into a source of erotic. Erotic. Mm. Yeah, love that, Dennis. 
I swipe right. I don't trust nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I am so, so I actually come pretty fast, and so I like condoms because putting something between me and the person <laughs> l- allows me to prolong mm. and like stave off. Fair. Orgasm. Or is it just a way to like not be too intimate? Yeah, I don't want to be too. I don't, <laughs> get your slimy hands off me. It's like I want to catch whatever it is made you dumb. In the, <laughs> I think in the um in the in the sort of strand of of, of two chains. If if Fran was a rapper, he'd be two condoms. <laughs> oh my god, amazing! So true. Um, next up we have flavored lube. No, disgusting. Wow. To left. the left, to the left. Are you? Are you sure? Have you tried? Don't knock it till you tried it. Oh, flavored lube. I, I tried and, it. And, like to combine the first two and flavored condoms, it's all. I find them to be uh, weirdly infantilizing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You yes, know, yes. it's like really? it's like it's like it's like you get a treat for <laughs> eating your vitamins. I, I want dick to taste like dick. Amen. Dick tastes fucking good. I feel like I would like dick more if it tasted like, you know, like a full Thanksgiving like, meal. <laughs> like, I want like, does. I want mashed potatoes, gravy, lube. some stuffing. Gravy, <laughs> some stuffing. I want, I, have, I want that scene in, in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where like, uh, 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 Violet? Violet is eating that gum and she's like, it tastes like a whole Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> yeah. Christmas hat. I um I have I, I have used a flavored condom uh for butt sex because it was the only condom we had and you don't notice. It actually doesn't matter. It's fine for butt sex. It's yeah, yeah. That Except makes when it's a grape flavored condom and, comes and out. you think you shat on the dick because <laughs> oh, you didn't my know God. that it was a flavored condom. Or the one that no. we were using was red, which is also not oh, good. No. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Alien yeah. dick. <laughs> I have to admit, I don't like flavored condoms, flavored lubes, or condoms that are colors. Like yeah. I just like yeah. it to be dick colored. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very... I like because I, I appreciate the appearance of the dick. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes I appreciate the flavor of the dick. Sometimes I don't appreciate the flavor of the dick. Mm-hmm. Depends on the man. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, I like it as natural as it can be. Mm. Next up, we have Kate Blanchett. Swipe Ooh. right. Who? What do you mean, Joseph? <laughs> Queer icon, Bl- Kate Blanchett. Swipe. Swipe right. Swipe right. Absolutely. She's amazing. She's incredible. She's a fabulous actress. Okay, and Kate in a freaking um, motorcycle jacket. Like, her character in Ocean's 8. Uh, I was just like, mm-hmm. you can get it. And me. She, she was yeah. full lesbian in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. no and question. And she can. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Crop Tops. Uh, oh, love a good crop. Swipe right. Love a crop. Yeah, swipe right. Swipe, swipe left. I'm not that comfortable with my body. Oh, <laughs> oh, One thing I love They're is so is crop tops on all different body types. It's like great. Me too. Yeah, I, I agree. So too. Group chats. Swipe right. Swipe right. Swipe right. Swipe left. Swipe left. Swiping left on you faggots. How <laughs> <laughs> dare you? Blast. <laughs> the group chat is lit. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I will no. say there are when you are added to a group chat without your consent. Yeah. That's oh no. Worst. That is not too many that notifications. Is, that has happened to me. Like on so many occasions that I'm just like, no thank you. Yeah. My father does it. <gasps> like group chats oh. with relatives. My yes. family did that yeah. too. You guys, they... I will actually swipe right on group chats in general, but group chats with relatives are Ooh, a hard, hard left. left. One th- so we have a group chat um, from the lab where I used to work at. Oh, and God. it was also in WhatsApp. And WhatsApp is really hard to tell the name of the group chat. Oh, so I would yes. oftentimes <gasps> have memes or whatever that I meant to send to you and I sent oh, to my... the entire oh, like no! floor staff, including ones about butts and things like that. And I was <laughs> no! just like, Disregard, Joe. It it became a running joke that I like kept sending ridiculous fucking things. And you can't unsend them on WhatsApp. If it were Instagram, you you could unsend. You can actually delete. You oh, can that's delete true. You can delete. I, have I don't know if you can them. delete images. It was just the worst. Mm. That's true. You can I have deleted them myself. Joe out here with his whole ass. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but would Joe be out here any other way? No. I don't think so. That's that's our hoe. <laughs> Next we have uh guys who have dating profiles that say Moms love me. Oh God! Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what? I about was, that. Like any kind of performative, like declarative sentence on a profile, whatever for whatever, just always like down to earth. Like, bitch, you ain't a star. <laughs> of course, uh, you're down to earth. I love when a guy's dating profile says, "I love music." Uh, <laughs> yeah, like uh, that's love not to a, laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Here are all my photos of me studying abroad. Uh. They're they're really all bad, but yeah, I'm gonna swipe left on that. Friend, would you like, please? stop using my tinder profile to <laughs> <write a show. laughs> do you have that on your tinder profile 
Maybe. No, you do not. Moms love I, me. Let me tell you. If wait, I, moms, wanna, I do love me. Wait, if I, I can find out, you guys, because Joe and I matched on Tinder six months ago. <laughs> I can find out right oh now. Oh, my God. Okay, while Dennis sticks that up, I just have to say that... Um, if I want to fuck, the last thing I want to think about is my mom. <laughs> and, and who shall Don't prove put it on not. your dating not profile. Not interesting. Not no, interesting. thank you. Can you imagine putting that on your grinder profile? Moms love me. No, I think that like, I would actually be into because I think that would be self-aware yeah. enough. How presumptuous. Yeah. Um, day jobs. I love mine. I swipe right. Okay. I love uh, the stability. Swipe left. I would hate to be in an office doing the same thing every single day. I... I'm having a hard time with this one. Yeah. Maybe swiping left because here's the thing. I don't really think, I don't really, I, one of my pet peeves, as y'all know, is when people tell me what to do. <laughs> and so um, having a boss means that people are constantly telling me um, what to do. And yeah, that's just not my style. However, I do have a full-time job that I love. Right? You know, yeah. and, and also like the, I, I do swipe left on it, but like the alternative is this other life that I have that has, that has more freedom, but less stability. Freelance mm, life. Is yeah. Hard. Um, yeah, I'm swiping a hard left on day jobs because I recently quit mine. Woo! And I may or may not be trying to burn the whole house down. We'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm swiping. I'm swiping left for now. Okay. Swipe right, swipe left. Sarah Paulson. Oh my God. Swipe, swipe right. right. She's my supreme. I love her so much. And I'm a late yes. adopter to Sarah Paulson, mostly because I did not watch American Horror Story and nothing like that. But um, I, I watched the most recent one because it was called Apocalypse and I love post-apocalyptic whatever. That's yeah. how you get me into something. Uh-huh. And she just, she played so many characters. She's brilliant. And then I would read all, watch all of her interviews. There's an interview with her and Kate Blanchett where they're just like sitting on top of each other. It's amazing. Uh, and she's so funny. And she exudes a big lesbian energy. It's like so she good. really does. And I have you she ever seen really that interview does. with her where she goes, "Well, if you're not gay, you're a weirdo." Yeah. <laughs> There's this um, amazing 2-second cut it's of her saying, "If you're epic. not gay, you're a weirdo." <laughs> and I'm like, epic, "That's yeah. true." Um, so I love Sarah Paulson. There was this amazing movie that I'm trying to find that she this amazing independent film where she was a lesbian that was my first exposure to her in like oh, 2006 2007 no yeah and i was like oh who's this hot woman I, I bet she's just gay for pay blah and then it turned out she was a lesbian but also like i love her in american horror story she is the fucking supreme and she's in a relationship with holland taylor how can you not love someone who's in love with holland taylor true done true. swipe right sarah paulson you are a goddess please come on the show oh and my god, god. Be i would gay die and not weird with us i would die <laughs> Pearl necklaces. Swipe right. Swipe right. Swipe right. What? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I didn't even I'm say what kind. <laughs> I'm literally wearing one right now. Dennis doesn't, is literally wearing one. Doesn't matter what kind. I love them all. So, I prefer, like, okay, the thing is, if you're not going to come inside of me, which I, I, that's, that's, what I, that's what I prefer. You know what I mean? Because it's like, that's intimate same. to me. <laughs> and it's like, it, it takes care of its own mess. Yeah. And if you don't, I think usually you probably learned how to fuck from porn if you if you always want the money shot. But I love the money but, shot. I love the money shot. But if you're going to do the money shot, I prefer it on Up my here. clavicle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Love it on the clavicle. Yes. But I also love. Dennis's beautiful pearl necklace right now. It looks beautiful. Wow. <laughs> the girl with swipe the pearl right, necklace. <laughs> swipe right, swipe left. Facials. Swipe right. Swipe right. I, oh, swipe right. I'm a cum slut. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm just putting it out there for when I am ready to get back on the horse and y'all slide into my DMs. I'm a cum slut. Okay. okay. So here's the thing. Swiping left. You're going to clog my pores. <laughs> I will swipe right on real facials. I was going to say, that's what the other kind of facial is I love for. a spa moment. I, I love to get... Ex, uh, what is it? What is it? Exfoliating? No, when they, pin, when they pin, pinch your pimple, pimples. Oh, oh, extract it. Extraction. Have you ever, yes. have you ever watched videos of those? No, on hell no. Oh my God, YouTube. You? Oh my God, pimple popping YouTube is a oh. dark and, and oh, there's, corner and there's, of the internet. And there's boil popping YouTube. Oh, oh my God. Teams. Teams is vomiting. Of course, this is Joe's favorite. This is Joe's version of Netflix. Netflix is boil. Netflix is boil. Boil, boil popping and jerking YouTube. off. Stop saying it, Joe. Tears <laughs> is gonna vomit. I'm actually going to say it all the time, but just to Joe. We need to move on. Our teeth is gonna vomit. Swipe right, swipe left. I don't like it. I don't like it. For our next segment, 
We're going to cry with Joe. Yeah! <laughs> oh, yes. And we have our once a season Joe O, the science host. Hi, everybody. Hello. So this week or this year, um, I wanted to talk about something that has been in the news. And I wanted to talk about it because we've actually had it come up organically here on the show a few times. Teebs mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, Fran mentioned it. And that is epigenetic inheritance of trauma. Mm. Uh, and it's a thing that I actually hear people talk about a lot. Uh, it's a thing that is an active field of research that we actually are just starting to understand. And it's a thing that I think people talk about without even necessarily knowing what epigenetic means. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to talk about it, talk about where the research is, what it means, and and then end with kind of uh, a discussion of like, is this a useful paradigm mm-hmm. to understand trauma? Um, so first of all, break it down. Let's talk about genetics. So genetics is like connections between genes and phenotypes. Phenotypes can be anything from brown eyes, blue eyes to how we act. Mm. And that comes from largely the genome. So like from a gene to a genome is like from one gene to all of the genes that you have. Okay. Are y'all as hard as I am right now? I am fully erect right now. Um, Wow. In um, my genes. Definitely not. (laughs) I am not. And then in the late 90s, early 2000s, DNA in your cells would be a single cell's worth of DNA would be two meters long. So it's packaged in cells around these proteins called histones. And those proteins and how they interact with the DNA is called the epigenome. Epi meaning above. Right. So every single cell in your body, all 37 trillion of them, have the exact same DNA. But obviously a brain cell has to be different than a skin cell, has to be different than an immune cell, has to be different than a liver cell. And so that's like what genes are off and on. Mm -hmm. And this epigenome changes the packaging of DNA such that a gene will be on because it's open and accessible like my butthole. (laughs) (laughs) What an excellent metaphor. I mean a simile, sorry. a, A gene will be off because it's completely repressed and inaccessible, right? So it's been known for a long time so that your genome in general does not change. The sequence Mm -hmm. of your DNA over time does not change. It's your epigenome that can actually respond to the environment. Mm -hmm. The way the DNA is packaged, tight or not so tight, can change over time and can respond to the environment. So if you have it, it is known for, it's been known for a long time that experiences like trauma can change gene expression through modifying the epigenome Mm. right so that is well understood okay what is not super well understood is how this would be transmitted from a parent to a child Mm. over generations and that again we have to get into some definition define it for us all of our cells in our body are called somatic cells these are cells that live and die the only cells that we have that will go on to the next generation are called germ cells Mm. eggs and sperm Mm -hmm. Uh, dna goes through a whole bunch of processes to be made into egg and sperm and it's not like your experiences in your neurons get down into your sperms and eggs mm-hmm. right so right, right. Uh, it's been a huge huge question of how like trauma as an experience could actually be passed on to your children and there's a bunch of experiments both from uh, animals and from humans suggesting that this can happen mm-hmm. one of the most famous experiments was done in rats uh, and it was mm-hmm. shown that it's actually maternal behavior so it's like whether the mo- if the mother is stressed out then she is not a super good parent and that changes the epigenome of the child throughout its life and its re- uh, reactions to stress Okay, Mm. so um, one thing, a big controversial thing in the field is whether it's a genetic inheritance Mm -hmm. or whether trauma passes itself down through generations by behavior. Behavior, right. Right. So it's definitely known that um, traumatic experiences in a parent's life can affect like the lifespan of a child reaction throughout their life. Right. Um, So and this has been done studies with Holocaust survivors, um, survivors of famines all over the world mm-hmm. um you know survivors of slavery in america it's, it's known that the it, it imprints on not just the generation that experiences the trauma uh and so there have been these studies um with holocaust survivors and others that actually looks now that we can have the tools looks at the actual epigenome uh and it is the epigenome of the child who has not experienced the trauma reflective of the experience of trauma. And there is some evidence that yes, mm-hmm. it is. Uh, all of these things, I think it's really easy to talk about um, epigenetic inheritance of trauma. Uh, and it sounds nice. And it like I think it feels true to the experience of having familial trauma coming from a marginalized community. Mm-hmm. Um, the science of it is not yet there. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of open questions and it's a hotly debated field. And for me, I get really... Um, skeptical of scientific understandings of you know sort of these types of phenomena uh, because i think people want them 
to be used, for example, as an argument for something like reparations, mm -hmm. right? And I think that there is an argument that you could make to the experiences of, excuse me, a community over time inducing trauma and then that trauma being passed on from generation to generation mm, what's yeah. curious about this though to me mm. is that you know that we're talking about inherited experiences of trauma within like sexual trauma racial trauma etc 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 what about though um like the the specific like queer trauma right mm. amongst people who mm -hmm. don't necessarily pass down exactly. their genetics exactly and i think all of it is a fairly heteronormative understanding of family and kinship yeah also mm. uh and so i you know i kind of um look at it a little skeptically for that reason but i i just think scientific determinism writ large mm -hmm. is very dangerous because you can make the opposite argument that trauma ruins people right that that people are never able to move past their trauma to be a quote-unquote healthy a quote-unquote normal person yeah. so the same argument that you could make for reparations or for increased help with child care and education mm -hmm. early in life you could also make the same argument on the other side that like you know uh, Holocaust survivors are forever damaged, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's so like unhirable or right, yeah, yeah. not and, but, productive members of society. And the other thing is like the sort of scientific—I don't want to say reification, but the science that that science comes in and be, and is like. Oh, I guess the way you're feeling is valid. Yes, when, exactly. When, like, no. when we like know like that there is trauma that's passed down through generations is just like a fucking fact. Yeah, and it's exactly. like as an indigenous mm -hmm. person, the survivor of survivors, you know what I mean? It's like, yes. oh, okay. Like, so you're going to, now you're going to validate my experience. Exactly. By exactly. saying like, oh, it's genetic. And it's like, no, I mean, it's a lot of things. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, the way, uh, and there's a whole field of science studies that studies this, the way that sexism writes itself in the way science is done. Mm -hmm. Like you want how much they study transmission through eggs versus through sperm mm. it's all the mom's fault mm. always in mm. science it is always the mom's fault even the even the science of being queerness which i talked about in uh season one it's always the mom's fault mm. right and mm. so again cultural understandings is even written in what types of studies are being done mm. so i i know some people i know some you know people of color queer people uh people um, of jewish heritage who feel very empowered by the notion of epigenetic trauma the notion of like a biological understanding that validates mm -hmm. sort of the cultural understanding of how trauma works and i absolutely don't there is some there's evidence for that we just we don't have a, a strong biological understanding but there is certain there are hints in the data that suggest that that could be true and i certainly don't want to argue that that's not a valid way to understand oneself and one's kinship and one's family and one's history. I just want to think about, you know, the ways in which any narrative that derives too much from science, the epistemology of science can also be used as a double-edged sword against right. the very same community. And then my other question would be like, if there is, uh, if there, if there, if there is a, a, a provable uh, epigenetics of trauma, yeah. could there also be a provable epigenetics of resilience? Yeah. Because mm. because those things go hand in hand with each other. That's a lot right. of times I was talking with my friend Roy and he was talking about um, uh, uh, like his, doing his like, what is that called? Fit 3 me, the genetic test. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm not interested in doing that because I know where I come from. I claim a place and that place claims me. I don't need to know. I'm yeah. not out here trying to find myself. But yeah. um, the way that he was describing it was like talking about how like he, uh, he feels like a very fragile person in his health mm. because of some like inbreeding that had happened sort of like in mm. back in the family tree or whatever. And I was like, you know what? And he's like, and, and that made him feel kind of like frail. And I was like, I feel like the strongest motherfucker right. on the face of the earth because you know, like a, when a population is mm. just, like uh, 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 killed, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> there is a bottleneck that happens where like literally the strong, only the strongest ones are able to like survive that. And I'm saying, yeah. if I've inherited trauma, I have also inherited a shit ton of resilience, resilience. because mm. I feel like I'm basically I could do anything. Yeah, I, and I will say that um, indigenous communities have been leading the way in the pushback against biological determinism of identity uh, and one of the reasons why 23andMe essentially doesn't work really for indigenous peoples is because indigenous peoples have refused to give their genetic information to the companies arguing that we don't define mm -hmm. uh, our identity and our tr and our culture by genetic material uh, and so i you know I, there are some scholars in the field like Kim Talbert, who is incredibly um, at the forefront, really, of thinking about identity um, and, and genetics and not even, you know, and then pushing past that to, to epigenetics. But mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely. And the, the thing is that biological responses to trauma are responses of resilience. Mm -hmm. Like it is we do this to survive. Mm -hmm. But then the, the thing is that biological response 
becomes self-destructive at, at a point. It's like literally all my dad can talk about now. Because really? he's like leading. Epigenetic yeah, because he's like leading a lot of like current. Um, he's leading a lot of current discourse on childhood trauma in indigenous communities. Right. And but also looking at it from a, like a storytelling way, but then also an, a, an epigenetic way. So there's this huge conference on my reservation yep. for like three days that I wrote a poem that introduced the conference. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, they were talking a lot about. Uh, they had some some people in the scientific community come and explain yep. epigenetics, but then also yep. how do you how do you combine the science of epigenetics with indigenous wisdom? Exactly, I think mm. that, and that's a really smart. Oh my they're, god, they're, I love that. the epigenetics yeah. of childhood trauma is fairly well worked out. It does have impacts on gene expression throughout life, so that is something like whether it's inherited or not. We know that childhood trauma impacts stress responses throughout life, right? And so I think that. I, I think that's an incredibly empowering way to consider it is like take the best of the science in conversation with people who are storytelling, who have lived through traumatic experiences for generations, et cetera. It's like synergize yeah. and mm-hmm. don't destruct, you know? Yeah. And also science needs to be a lot more humble about not being the only epistemology that fucking matters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And also like it, using it to like damn people. Exactly. To like to set their narrative a certain way when well, you are in full control of that narrative. I don't, I think the scientists who study this are very much believe that it is empowering. They're often like the, one of yeah. the biggest scientists studying Holocaust survivors, I, you know, is a Jewish woman herself. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's, but I think we have to know that our work can be turned against us by by bigots or by you know and so it's a very you ha- you have to be very responsible when you're doing this type of work mm-hmm. uh, yeah and, and try to not operate uh from, from the with a myopia exactly exactly just be and be and be humble and invite people into the conversation not just as like i'm explaining this to you but mm-hmm. you have shit that you need to explain to me and have it really be a conversation and understanding and a, and a joint point of like building knowledge and having that knowledge also be about justice yeah right? like because uh, yeah, yeah because if you're going to come at it with a kind of supremacy that's exactly. paternalistic it, immediately really you cannot do justice work if you come to people to explain their biology to them mm-hmm. right it really does have to be in conversation in a community that you move forward especially when you're dealing with human genetics and especially when you're dealing with human genetics of marginalized people right mm-hmm. this message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor mercury insurance If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury, because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to MercuryInsurance.com today to get a quote. It's crazy how much we have to pay for outdated, impersonal health care, and even crazier that we all just accept it. It's time to face facts. Healthcare is backwards. Luckily, there's Forward, a new approach to primary care that's surprisingly personal and refreshingly straightforward. Forward never makes you feel like just another patient. Backed by top-rated doctors and the latest tech, Forward gives you access to personalized care whenever you need it. Using in-depth genetic analysis and real-time blood work, Forward's top-rated doctors provide you with in-depth insights to better understand your genetics, mental, and physical health. They then create custom, easy-to-understand plans to help guide you to achieving long-term health. With Forward, you get unlimited in-person visits with your doctor and access to care anytime via the Forward app, all for one flat monthly fee. It's time to stop accepting backwards health care and start moving your health forward. Visit GoForward.com today to learn more. That's GoForward.com. I'm Whitney Dow, co-host of Reparations The Big Payback. On this season, Erica Alexander and I explore the arguments for and against reparations for black Americans. Everything that has touched us in a way that profited from us and we did not owes us. The attitude that most non-blacks would take, they're being shaken down for something that's not their fault. All episodes of Reparations The Big Payback are available now. Listen on the Black Effect Podcast Network, the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. I'm Allie Wentworth, mom, wife, actress, writer, comedian, and also the host of Go Ask Allie, the podcast that dissects the craziness of modern life. He said, I never thought anybody could be this irreplaceable. And I started crying and he started crying. And that that was it. Yes, it's terrible and all this traveling and it just completely disrupts our lives. But 
this is what we got. Go Ask Allie is a podcast where you can learn how to grow all the pivotal relationships in your life. We are taking ukulele lessons on Zoom and we suck. We're never forming I, a band. By the way, I assumed that. I didn't okay, want to I say did. anything. I, I assumed <laughs> right. you sucked until you told me otherwise. There will be ruptures in any intimate, loving relationship. And the question is, how do you repair? New episodes drop every Thursday, and there's also a bunch already waiting for your binging pleasure. You owe me a present. Yeah, I know. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And so, like, all of this was to say that there is a genetic reason why you cry so much. <laughs> you, oh, shit, you can't help it. <laughs> your, your, white answer, your white ancestors and all their trauma. <laughs> all passing it down their to you. Trauma. All, the, all, of it. all the Honda Civics they couldn't buy. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm, I think it's time we got to the meat of our discussion, the thought process, spelled T-H-O-T. And Fran's going to explain the premise of this episode. That's right. So we got something extra special for you today. Usually for our thought process, we have like a 30-minute discussion on a single topic. But instead of having a heaping pile of meat today, we got some tapas (laughs) for y'all. My favorite genre of food. (laughs) There are so many themes and topics that we want to cover each season. And there's only so much we can do. And so this season, we got some topics from y'all we Mm. tweeted we put a call out Mm. and we were like what do y'all want to talk about and we fully crowdsourced this kind of uh, uh, this like little smattering of of topics that we want to talk about we're going to pick five we're going to spend five minutes on each and we picked five specific topics that got us piping hot Uh, (laughs) and in this death defying task of um, talking for one thing on five minutes uh, we are on the clock starting now Joe, Joe take it off yeah, so our first topic is anger, which is something that we all feel all the time in 2018, and many of us have felt before that. Um, there is a seminal essay on this by Audre Lorde called The Uses of Anger, and she says Love. explicitly, you know, I'm always asked to be respectable, mainly by these white women, and she says, my response to racism is anger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like our response to injustice is anger, and that's justified. Mm-hmm. It's not only justified, but it's like deeply human. Like yeah. it's a thing you're supposed to feel. Yeah. And I think that so often we are just led to believe that anger is unethical or that (laughs) anger is like improper or that is unpolitical or that there or that anger has no use or is destructive and there are just so many ways that anger can be a vehicle like i believe in anger's ability to be a vehicle for marginalized manifestations absolutely and also it's like all these people would calls for civility Uh, in times mm -hmm. of like neo-fascism or whatever Uh, and it's like no 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 no. i'm you don't get to get if you don't want my body to be alive you don't get me to be polite Mm, and it's like uh yeah anger can be destructive Mm. destructive to the white supremacist status quo Mm -hmm. like that is the point it's people who are like asking you to be respectable are actually asking us to not really change anything yeah not change the structures that are so oppressive toward people it's also actually like a really fucked up power move when you think about it because those are the people who are often sometimes like oh we need your allyship to to move this movement along and then sometimes people are like well if you're too angry if your tone isn't like one that i like or one that i can jive with then you don't necessarily get my support or my help and that's really problematic because it's like no it's not about that we're allowed to be angry we're allowed to be upset about this and we're allowed to destruct de like deconstruct the power system that's happening Mm -hmm. um i want to bring us back to this james baldwin quote that i love which is also i think about this when it comes to race i also think about it when it comes to sexuality and all the different aspects of my identity but he says to be a negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time yeah Mm, james and james baldwin and that's just so real and so fair so Mm. i have a question like rage is can be you know a useful tool but it can also burn our own selves out Mm -hmm. and down so it's like how do we contain it to make it you know useful and not actually self-destructive I always have to take a step back. So the moment where you, the moment where you just start to become angry, I find it's not a great moment of productivity. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do do not act the second you get angry. There's uh. n- that will not help you. When you, if you want to send the 16 paragraph email to someone, like chances are that you're not in a great state to be sending an email. If you want to hop in a call, if you yeah. want to send that mean text message, if you want to have Talk that about fight your- with- <laughs> 
talk about your boss on the on the podcast. Yeah, you know anything? Like it's not, if you are if you just have been wronged, <laughs> that is not the time to create something. Yeah, because you're under the influence of something, right? It, it's like right. like alcohol or drugs or love or it whatever. Is, it's it, it, will, it will fuck up your brain and make you say some shit and then tell them that their mom is a bitch too. And you're like, <laughs> and it's like I didn't mean to say that, James, but you know, but or Danny done. or Dean or whoever it was at the time. But then, but it, th- that just came out of my mouth. Right, right and it right, is, right, right. and it also, I mean, even if even if it's not a time of productivity to make stuff, it can be a time of meditation. You should turn mm. inward. You should focus on that feeling. You should like be very Buddhist and be like, why am I feeling this way? Is this is this within or outside of my control? Why or why not? How can I bring it back to my control? And being reflective doesn't ne- doesn't mean internalizing the anger. No, because then that leads to a bunch of shitty pathological behavioral sit when right, you, when right, you right. deny the anger or when when it becomes internal or whatever or i was thinking too what with dennis and the quote about having like this this endless rage it's like that's why i'm afraid of my anger because i'm afraid mm-hmm. i won't be able to shut it off mm-hmm. see I, well that's not a problem that i have but what i will what? say is that <laughs> while, while you guys are giving really sound fair wonderful perfect advice and lo- y'all listen to my thoughts I love it when I go on a rampage, when I, on an angry rampage. I have a good ass time and I have fun and I know that I'm in it. I'm deep in it. I'm saying shit that I want to say. I'm getting it off my chest and then I'm going to put it behind me and move on and be happy, delightful me again. Sometimes it is very satisfying. You can be like popping mm-hmm. a bimble. Just to be like, I'm getting it out of me. That yes. angry nut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, my God, that's true. Angry nut. I think on a last note, the, uh, there are like amazing re- contemporary writers like Rebecca Traster and uh, uh, Lacey M. Johnson who like are mm-hmm. have like deeply amazing ideas on like what feminine anger looks like and how it's been minstrelified or how it's like always turned into like erratic or irrational theater and just know that your anger is valid yep. your anger is productive Ugh. your anger can be a tool and yep. your anger can be one of the greatest things at your disposal or in your agency it's like don't let society gaslight you into believing that anger isn't justified and sometimes no. that rage sex it's fair. Oh, 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 that rage <laughs> Working in my chair. Working in my chair. That was exactly five minutes. Hello, this is Tommy Teeves Pico, and my topic is cultural appropriation. Oh. <laughs> I want to direct this to the woman who was standing in front of me in line before I got on my plane with a uh, Dreamcatcher tattoo on her back. Hello. Uh, I want to say this to Lana Del Rey with her headdress and her music video. <gasps> you know what I mean? Oh my God. You know, there, there is, um, uh, culture is dynamic. As mm. people who live in this world, we borrow things from each other all the time. Mm. Languages develop this way. Pigeons and creoles and peoples, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that's I'm not arguing about cultural dynamism. That's not Ooh. arguable. Oh. That happens, right? Mm. What I'm talking about is the cherry picking of cultural artifacts from marginalized people and not contributing and, and 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 turning a blind eye to their continued oppression, to their continued death. Does anybody talk you wanna okay, Lana Del Rey, put on the that headdress but let me talk to you about missing and murdered indigenous women oh, if you're not move. ready for that conversation take that shit the fuck off I want yep. a complete list of every single celebrity that has worn a Native American headdress hello sorry Cher yeah. hello uh, Gus Cantworthy yeah. like I'm oh, sorry oh, like all oh, your faves uh, out there wearing okay. Native American headdresses but aside from that the, that I, to me is an obvious one probably not obvious to a lot of white people there are even less obvious ones like yoga hey that's a cultural appropriation That's that comes from someone else there's reasons why you can do that but like you do if you don't know where it comes from then like don't pay homage to it like when people get Egyptian tattoos or dresses up as Egyptian people for Halloween people yeah. who are obsessed with Hindu goddesses people who love Chinese characters people who wear kimonos like and, and to your point like Halloween just like fuck all of you for <laughs> doing that to us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean this is Joe and like I come from an Irish Catholic background and I think that there's something particular to the cultural vacuum of whiteness where like a lot of ethnically white people came from a culture like Irish American culture was like really really deep but we sold that to white supremacy in order to have access to wealth and power mm. and what that means is that we're kind of a people without a culture we kind of sold our culture and when we like assimilated mm. into like Americanness right mm. and white Americanness and what that means is we have this cultural vacuum and it feels really nice to fill that with something mm-hmm. but it feels really nice to fill that with something without actually calling into question the structures of white supremacy that give you your power right. this is exactly what my family does it's like we're super Irish except for we also just are white you know, <laughs> Let like me tell we, you, we're just wealthy Megan Kelly, Kelly has, wealth. Megan Kelly has been in that vacuum 
vacuum for it. Okay, it's just, just oh, been in an thing. airless, lightless space <laughs> all her life. Just so blonde. She she does not know anything but that vacuum. I mean, I was gonna say I was gonna say she's in the sunken place, but she is the sunken. She place. is <laughs> the sunken place. Oh my god, it's so oh, true. Dennis, so, I'm just gonna say this. You know, we focus a lot on white people and the problematic ways in which white people do cultural appropriation, mm. and that's totally true and totally legitimate. But let it be known, white people are not the only people who culturally Ooh, appropriate. Girl. Okay. Oh, Dennis. My people, I'm black. I'm coming for us because we do it too. We get the native tattoos. We get the Chinese symbols Ooh. tattooed on our bodies. Mm. Recently, Kevin Hart and his wife oh, threw I a cowboys and Indians themed birthday party for their one year old son on Ooh. Thanksgiving. Yeah. What? On Thanksgiving. <sighs> I was like, this is too much. How are you doing this? How is this happening? Y'all, there were teepees. There were Native mm-hmm. American blankets and rugs covering everybody. Headdresses. They had headdresses and, and face painting. And I was like, you know, it's nice to throw your kid a nice birthday party, but don't be doing this shit. Okay. And don't, bra- don't drag your little one-year-old child into it. So oh. we need to talk about the fact that Lots of people are appropriating lots of cultures, mm-hmm. and it has to stop. Just because we're coming from a marginalized identity does not give us carte blanche to do Ooh. whatever we want Hot. to other, other um, marginalized identities, and specifically our indigenous brothers and sisters. The white gays. Yeah. The white yeah, yeah, yeah. gays. Can I also... So I want to I create some actionables. Like, what can people take away from this? There's so many people out there that are like, mm, I, it's not appropriation, it's appreciation. Like, and it's what like, would you, you, can say, you can say that Dreamcatcher is beautiful because it is. You know, uh-huh. that's another inarguable yes. fact. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you have to put that on your body, so wait, put that on your wall, Tommy, put that in your life. Tommy, can you demonstrate like how to appreciate something effectively? Um, I think you'd probably go like, hmm. Nods <laughs> 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 mm. yeah. head. Good. Yeah. And then what do you do? Move the fuck on. <laughs> well, whip out your checkbook. Oh, right. Yeah. And yeah, contribute yeah. something to the movement. Uh-huh. Yes, and then squirrel. get to step in. Yeah. And I think, too, if you, you know, we're obviously not going to get into the intricacies of cultural appropriation in five minutes, but there's a great blog that I love by a native scholar named Dr. Adrian Keene. It's called Native Appropriations. You can look that up. Oh, and ask, yep. she has so many different nooks and crannies of this question. And also participate in the art by people from the actual community, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. read black writers, mm-hmm. read yeah. queer writers, Educated read indigenous writers. writers yeah. You know? So many people love to appropriate without reading about it. Read, read a book, and people! If you, and if you actually did and, and you actually steeped yourself in the community, you would understand why taking it on <laughs> is wrong. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Our next topic is uh, an interesting one. There, we're in a cultural moment right now where people are saying, oh, that country is so divided. And like at this crossroads, this country-wide crossroads, facing people that we disagree with, we are engaging in a discourse of, quote unquote, seeing both sides. Mm. <laughs> Let oh, me tell you. No. I don't want to see no. your side sometimes. <laughs> Fran, Fran wants to see neither of my yeah. sides. <laughs> to quote, I mean, there's an amazing essay by Mom of the Pod, friend of the pod, Tiari Jones. Yeah. Hey, Mom. Yeah. Love Hi, Maya. Um, you, they, she wrote an essay in Time um, about what it means to find a middle ground. And she says, quote, unquote, the middle is a point equidistant from two poles. That's it. Mm, that that's is fucking it. it. There is that's no brilliance. It. There is no virtuosity. There is nothing in and the middle ground. One of those poles is literal Nazism. Literal yes. the, Nazism. The more close we are to the middle, the closer we, we are, are to, to actual white supremacist genocidal Nazism. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's a false equivalence, a false equivalency to Correct. say like, oh, like but there are good people on both sides, very good people on both sides. <laughs> like the, ever, the people, you hear that all the time. Yeah. That's insane. Mm. It is. It is. It's it, teams. And also, I just feel like there, it's a way of masking the further, uh, the march towards fascism. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, Okay, if I, I my livelihood is not up for debate, the Mm-mm. fact of right, me right, being right. alive and being allowed to right. make out with somebody at a deli, <laughs> right? That's not up for debate, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's which, not, yeah, which is why I hate the term ally. Like it's just like being queer is not a partisan issue. Like right. it's not like it's not, there's no reason that being like it, it, making sure that people are good human beings to each other should but, be. But Fran, what about the argument that we have to talk to our enemies to like convince them? 
you know, do we do we have those conversations really across the divide? And if we don't have those conversations, does that come at a cost? I think there is a certain element of whether you want to have those conversations publicly versus whether you want to have those uh-huh, uh-huh. conversations privately. I don't mm-hmm. know. What would you say about that? I mean, I agree. I think that, you know, as a white person, like I have a lot of conversations with people who maybe know they're racist, people who don't. But like having those conversations is a part of the way I exist in the world and the way that I live my politics. But we were talking a lot before we turned the mic on about like the fact that white supremacists aren't looking to debate you, they're looking to recruit, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so if you give them public space in which to speak, mm-hmm. they're not really speaking to you at all. Mm-hmm. They are speaking yeah. to, they're, they're speaking to my cousins who might be fucking like disaffected white people mm-hmm. and might be appealing. This, this mm-hmm. argument is appealing to them. And so like, and their platform has just been yes. legitimized mm-hmm. by its being public. And so we see you, visual. the New Yorker putting <laughs> Steve Bannon at, like at the top of your, or that profile on Darren Wilson. Like, oh, I don't want to, yeah. no. I don't want to, I don't want to read this shit. Like to your point, like, and something you said yeah. before we hopped on, it's like, you're giving these people oxygen. Correct. You are allowing them to live. You're feeding the animal by yeah. putting them in public places and giving them platforms. And literally all they want to do is burn. Like, so if you give them oxygen, they will use it to burn. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, we don't have those conversations publicly. When- my, my, so my dad is a politician. He's a tribal chairman. And I remember coming up under him. He would say something, not, a, not both sidesy, but that like, there is a certain percentage of people on who who you're talking to you're trying to convince who will never be convinced of what you're trying to say Mm -hmm. there is a certain percentage of people who are going to believe you no matter what Mm -hmm. you know i mean in a reasonable amount and there are there is a percentage of people sort of towards the middle who need convincing Mm -hmm. right and maybe those people are the ones you have conversations with but not the ones on the far right who are never ever trying to fuck the people who engage in violence and that's not just physical violence like think about what violence means to you and whether you want to be a part of it and by having discourse with violence you're becoming a part of that yeah Yeah, well the place where i want to jump in on that conversation on the conversation about having the conversation (laughs) is the idea that we want to be really strategic about when we have the conversation and who we have the conversation with and how we're having it and so i always want to say that i think that it's worth it to have the conversation privately when it's when it's with someone that you love and someone who loves you and when there's a basis for that like there's things that we can do in our personal lives that can move the needle forward that idea of like being the white person who like goes home at thanksgiving and doesn't avoid the difficult political conversation but actually talks with your racist uncle about why their views are so problematic that's a really important thing to do but it's one thing to sort of um begin to say i can maybe understand what you're why you're coming from that point but let me tell you why it's wrong and there's it's a whole different thing to just go into the conversation and say your side is valid when it's not and also those (laughs) having conversations with nazis and i grew up adjacent to some people in that neo-nazi thing is that they know that white people uh, uh, value civility over all things. Oh. Yes, they do. And so yes, when they're they recruiting do. people, they tell them, never show your anger. Because uh-huh. then it, the people on our side, I'm just like a fucking match. I'm just waiting to like fucking go off. Right. And But they know that like the principal, the administrator, whoever, they're going to look at the person who's getting mad. Yeah. Which is why I'm the Meanwhile, least... they're gaslighting you. Yeah. Which is why I'm the least civil person you know. <laughs> all right. Our next topic is is something that um, I've been chosen to talk about because I'm the only one on the podcast who's ever had an actual relationship. And oh, no. Entirely <laughs> true. And also, like, true. I am a white person and my ex-partner and an ex-partner before that were both uh, men of color. So we ask all the time to talk about interracial relationships, dating across difference and specifically dating across race. So what it looks like, what it means for me as a white person to date men of color, what it means for men of color to date white people. Uh, and I wanted to launch off the discussion just by saying, that you know uh as a human body in the world in america in 2018 like our bodies all hold stories we all hold race we all hold histories and one of the things that white supremacy does is argue that white people don't have a race essentially and their that their bodies don't hold stories and Mm -hmm. that our bedrooms can essentially exist without race Mm -hmm. all bedrooms are a microcosm of the world and the world is is raced Mm -hmm. yeah dennis well just so okay for me as a person of color who um, dates and sleeps with a lot of white men not exclusively there are no rules here but does <laughs> except they um, have to be tops <laughs> they, they do need to be tops um, I always want to point out the fact the very basic fact which Joe kind of just alluded to is that like if you are white you are raced you have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say that and own that and understand that and be able to think about what that means when you're going into 
an interracial relationship. And I don't think and it's something that you don't. should be. And so many don't. And it's not the sort of thing that you should be figuring out when you're like a year into the relationship. No. Like mm. you need to know this when you swipe right on a black person on Tinder. Okay. Or like, before that would be great. <laughs> or before, before that would be great. But that's at least I feel like where it starts. But that that's super important. The other thing that's really important to think about is that we get a lot of questions um, on the show asking like, like where is that line between appreciating or maybe having a preference along this race versus fetishizing it? And I think it's really important to think a lot about when you're thinking about um, a person and their whole personhood and everything that makes them a person. And when you're just thinking about that trait of theirs, whether it's their race or whatever it el- whatever else it could be, um, that, that makes you attracted to them. Mm. Like when you're just narrowing it down to that and you're not necessarily even thinking of your own race and you probably aren't if you're thinking in that way, mm. that to me feels much more like fetishization. Mm. Uh, Tommy T. Speaker over here. I'm just going to say that uh, and remind you all that America is not a post-colonial country. It is very <laughs> no much colonial. colonial and because of the genocide um, and being an indigenous person, I'm mostly in interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. That's because I don't really know that many people in the city who are native and who are homosexual men. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. I know that there's always going to be some kind of Difference. cross-racial difference mm-hmm. and there's going to be a conversation around that and it's, and if I'm dating a white dude oh I know at a certain point that's going to come up mm-hmm. and I'm just like I, how much do I want to have that conversation how much oh. do I want because it's uh, oftentimes it's like with people who are well-meaning you know they're not trying to offend or nothing like that but it's like the mm-hmm they're like oh I never thought of that before and it's like I know you never thought about what it's like to live on a reservation before because you probably didn't even realize that we existed so So, Joe like you're someone who um, dates primarily men of color and Mm -hmm. we're talking about this line between like fetishism and like what it is that you're attracted to like how how do you start to even navigate that well I mean first of all it's like important for me to say that like my attraction is to like all sorts of different bodies and then when it comes to I'm a person who doesn't like to hook up a lot I know we joke a lot on this show about being a giant whore, um, but uh, <laughs> because uh, you are only because I, you are in the giant I mean, whore. I, um, <laughs> I, I prefer having a partner, and I prefer dating, and I prefer long-term fuck buddies when I'm not in those situations. And a part of that is because I like having intimacy and emotional connections. In part, because as a white person who does sleep with people of color, I, I, I don't like the casual encounters. In part, because it feels like I'm dealing with body parts instead of a human body that I can mm, care for mm. and love. And so, just for me, when I'm like thinking about am I pushing over into something that's problematic? Well, I think that the, the intimacy and the connection and the honest conversation and the the way that I can care for someone and expect them to care for me, even if we're just fuck buddies, you can have incredible oh my God. long-term care f- careful relationships with fuck buddies. And so that for me makes me feel much, much better about Different, all sorts of types of difference in yeah. in sex. I think careful Absolutely. is a great way to put it because people yes. like careful, careful, full, of, full care. of care. Hello, it sounds yeah. like so like, like empty, but like it really it that word holds so much when you engage mm-hmm. in this discourse. Also, just how many times do you need to say it? Read some books. Yeah, read uh, some motherfucking books. books if you are experiencing issues on like how to deal with this. And maybe we can throw some references in the show. And notes. like white people, if you only date other white people. That think about is also that. a preference. Think Hello. about that. And, th- and think about it and test it and start asking why. And we can't do this in five minutes, but that is what we <laughs> Hi, guys. It's Dennis, and I'm going to lead you in our fifth discussion topic for the day. Um, we're going to talk about rebounds. Now, mm-hmm. Ur- we've all done it. We've all been there. Urban Dictionary offers a few oh God. slightly <laughs> different definitions for rebounds, but I specifically like definition number two, which is the idea that the rebound is jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship oh. to avoid the pain of the breakup. Well, at me next time, Dennis. Cre- at me next time. I, could I be looking at you any harder, my love? <laughs> um, are we comfortable with rebounds? What I This is the thing. I thought when I got this topic, because Fran kind of assigned it to me, I was like, when have I ever rebounded in my life? And oh then I realized God. that, in fact, the story of the loss of my virginity was, in fact, a rebound because literally the day after my ex and I, named Nick, broke up, I found another guy named Nick to take uh, my virginity. No, you did not. Oh I swear yeah. to God, I did. Dennis, you are the rebound queen. <laughs> your whole life has <laughs> been a rebound. Oh, has. Your birth has. was like a comeback. You're like, you yes, been. It, it wasn't friend? until now, five years later, that I was like, oh shit, that was me rebounding. I feel oh, like that yeah. was me rebounding. Every single 
time you enter a room, it's like in a reality show when like the villain is back. <laughs> <laughs> Just I'm call back, me Corella Deville, Corella oh, Deho, maybe. But anyway, yeah. I want to know what are your guys' most egregious rebound stories? How do you feel about rebounding? Do you rebound? Do you try not to? Are you aware of it? I have one question though for Dennis in the hot uh-oh, seat. Uh oh. So like, let's say you got a cat and then the cat died. Are you the kind of person who would get a cat that looks exact same and name it the same name? Oh. I would. I would wait a year to mourn properly. Okay. But I will tell y'all, my family's dog did die a year ago last June, and I've been looking for another dog that looks a lot like oh her my oh, my <laughs> oh my god mm-hmm. oh my god oh my god oh my god i mean uh, this goes hand in hand with a topic uh that i also love which is revenge <laughs> sex and yes. I, I love revenge sex it just makes me so happy and like i feel very sexually confident when i am engaging in it and revenge sex is a version of a rebound it almost is, yeah. always it is absolutely um and and I, yeah i don't know there's something about it that like draws confidence and power into me even though that it's a really that's a really gr- egregious way to <laughs> engage in my emotions but it's how i it's how i do it it's real. tommy uh yeah i mean I, I i've never really had that long of a relationship i tend to have like you know short Lips. bursts yeah mm-hmm. um but it, for a long time and especially in my 20s i could not there always had to be somebody on the back burner before i knew something was going to end mm. like, it was just not comfortable not being the object of somebody's affection mm-hmm. i wasn't comfortable mm-hmm. with like the the sort of existential quality of being alone not just like the oh i can't be in a relationship or whatever because like i never it never got that deep but it was it did it it felt almost like a like like grief was coming on the horizon and i was like no 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 no, no. and i'm gonna hit <laughs> yeah. up somebody else and that person's yep. gonna be my weird mm-hmm. half boyfriend for oh, like yeah, six yeah, months yeah so you are weird def- you are definition number two yeah, yeah. yeah to yeah, avoid yeah. the pain it's uh yeah joe don't try to avoid the pain joe loves the pain i um i actually did try to avoid, i ran from re- relationship through to relationship for a long time i definitely i'm a super weird because i love sex and i love relationships and i love sex in relationships to the point where like when i'm with someone like 99 percent of my sexual desire goes through that person like i just include them in most of my fantasies so it's actually really hard for me to rebound because i am just mm. i'm like straight up too sad you're straight oh, you know, i mean have i ever heard a brand. more true statement i I'm haven't like I, like after my ex and i broke up i didn't have sex for like many many months i just was like too too emotionally sad and then i actually haven't told anyone this i don't think oh, but no. i actually oh, no. ended up sleeping with a boy that was a good friend of his and i oh. met through him oh and it was like very very i had talked about it in therapy it was very much not revenge sex because i just really i actually liked this boy independent of the fact that i met him through my ex but i felt so bad after it just made me feel bad afterwards oh really mm. i would feel great oh. yeah and yeah. i would be like, like yes i was like in, even though i like this boy independent of the fact that i met him through my ex like i just can't sleep with him again mm. i can't like it makes me feel bad that so, sucks sort of following up on that the question that i do want to post you guys really quickly we always talk about about rebounds as being bad are they in fact bad or is that all they are mm, interesting question i don't think they're bad necessarily if it, if it empowers you to feel sexual pleasure outside of the confines of the thing you're mourning that can be a great reminder that you're a human independent of that pain and you're still desirable mm-hmm. and all that kind of exactly. stuff if you're using it to harm people if you're using yes. it to escape emotion if you're using it to okay i'm adding I love, myself i love how fred is like i love revenge sex don't have revenge sex i am not saying oh yeah i am never mind so both sides are good oh my god and there we have it there we have it <laughs> got that feeling like i'm full but i can still fit one thing inside of me dennis knows how i feel (laughs) so our dessert today is resolutions Ah. do you have them do you keep them do you care about them i think a lot of times you know there's this whole i mean resolution culture and and new year's aside there's this idea that the failure to keep a resolution is a personal failure but oftentimes Mm -hmm. i find that to be just a failure failure of planning Yes. Because it's like, okay, if you want to do something like every year, I'm like, um, this is the year I'm going to learn Portuguese because I really wanted to go to Brazil. Don't really want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it was like, but I never invested in the infrastructure that would lead to that outcome. Mm-hmm. Or people mm-hmm. talk about diets or quitting candy, for example. Uh, <laughs> Who would talk about that, Tommy? I, I don't know. I'm just curious. <laughs> but, like, but, but, there, but then there's no like, okay, but if I get this craving on this day, this is who I'm going to call. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. These are the sugar-free things that I'm going to have. Or this is like more, or I'm going to learn how to cook this. So there's 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 not as much of, um uh, like again, like a failure of planning to get this resolution done Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i'm always like oh 
mine is always diet based. Mm. You know, I'm like quitting out candy, cutting out sugar, cutting out coffee, cutting out this or that. And I don't give myself an alternative. Right. So mm. when I have a craving, I'm just, I'm in my mind, I'm like, I have to master this craving. That's not <laughs> what it is. Right, right, right. It's right, like right. Ha- giving yourself an alternative. So I'm curious what some of you, do you have resolutions? Do you have, do you have uh, 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 ideas about resolutions? Hi, hello. It's me, Fran. Uh, I am Taurus, Taurus rising Virgo moon. And I do believe that not meeting resolutions is a personal failure. <laughs> 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 I love goal manifestations. I love setting personal goals. I love organizing. I love like up one upping myself. And like, I'll say it on the, I said it on the podcast before i always say it again i am not fun hello like i'm just not a fun person to be around a lot of the times because of this fact but like i i love resolutions i love creating them for myself so much so that i actually do an initial round of resolutions during the month of november they're november resolutions oh, and i test them out my God. i test them out and i see if they're gonna work and then i try again in this december bitch is crazy and my big one <laughs> she crazy. i she cray. love november resolutions all of y'all this is my new hashtag please engage in november resolutions just getting it's december so like you can't but <laughs> next year, um, but this year is. Did you do a no nut November? I do. That accidentally. <laughs> that is the that is that is the hashtag that we need. No, I, have, I actually yes, had a lot of do. great sex in November. I did a no nut um, November basically. But 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 um, I will say that um, this year's resolution, which was tested in November successfully, uh, is to drink water. I have never been a water drinker in my that's life. So good oh my you. god, I that's crazy! Have never, ever, ever had water by my desk or like been constantly drinking water. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible habit. And like, I know that that has ramifications on your mental health, on your energy levels, your on your skin, mm-hmm. on your yeah, your digestion, on like literally everything. Um, and and yeah, you poop better. It's, it's working. It's working great for me. You're yeah. saying that you've been thirsty. I uh-huh. but I'm the, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh I can't I'm like I'm good I like water is my shit I'm Love like 35 I don't have water. a water wrinkle. is your shit mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't have a single wrinkle on my water face really and that's quite literally I'm just guzzling we could just do water guzzling. as a dessert <laughs> I know right <laughs> TBH so this is Dennis and some of you guys may remember Hi guys, this is my unboxing video I, I love unboxing <laughs> and you may remember that well, last year, I said that I was going to do the resolution of not sleeping with any more white boys with fir- one-syllable first names. Which I love. And I will tell you that I kept that resolution. Oh. No, you did now, not. Now, I know it sounds easy because I haven't had sex in four months, but Ugh. the first eight months of the year were popping. Mm, and the lady is I a thought you slept with, like, a meal. <laughs> no. I don't think, I think so. I <laughs> might, unless I'm forgetting someone, I'm pretty sure they all had two or, two or three syllables. So they were They were still so, all white boys, apparently. But just more than one syllable yes, was a first name. Yes, there were a lot of white boys this year. <laughs> I, I don't control who comes to me. Um, <laughs> you you actually, this, year's, this year's resolution, <laughs> this year's resolution <laughs> is I'm actually going to make an unboxing video. Oh my God. No, you're not. I'm going to do it. I'm what gonna, is it going to be? You unboxing a box of Kraft mac and cheese? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's genius. Kraft, slide in the DMs if you, wanna, if you want any advertising. We'll do it. Um, but yeah, anyway, so a that's a box of wine. I don't, <laughs> also, yes, one hundred percent. I don't really take resolutions seriously, so it was a huge surprise to me that I kept this one. So these, the next it ones, sounds, are just for fun. It sounds like you kept it by accident. Um, kind of. I mean, kind of. <laughs> no, it's definitely yes. <laughs> because I would, I would sometimes I swiped right on those boys. I would think. Mm, this goes against your resolution, and then you'd be like, "Whatever, fuck it," and swipe right, and then nothing, <laughs> right. nothing would happen. But I, but I kept it. Oh, interesting. I kept it. Uh, so I have. Uh, I'm not. I don't take resolutions that seriously. At New Year's, I believe that resolutions are something you should be doing constantly. When you realize something in your life is out of whack, you resolve to work on it. That doesn't mean change it overnight, but that just means like try to do better. It's like being intentional and self reflective. Um, so I kind of like have a big goal for every year. Uh, and usually it's a big like professional thing. And it will, you know, one year it was like getting a book out into the world. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, uh, I keep getting the card, the hanged man in, um, tarot, which oh, is a yeah. card that, that I really struggle with because a, ha- a hanged man is a person who is hanging upside down from their, by their leg, by their leg, but by choice, essentially it's, <laughs> it's sort of about, um, giving in to the situation you're in, not thrashing around, not trying to change mm. it, being patient, mm. being present, being in your skin in that moment. And that's something I really struggle with. I'm always like, if things are not going right, uh, I, try to 
thrash and change them if things mm-hmm. are going mm-hmm. right. I'm waiting for them to mm-hmm. turn around. I'm and the not. Hank is about the period of incubation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And about about when even when things feel like nothing is happening, things are happening for yep. you. Mm-hmm. It's just it doesn't feel like. And it. you have to, it's about acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I'm really really bad at acceptance. Something I'm working very deeply on. So that card kind of set an intentionality for for the next year of mm-hmm. of working really hard. That doesn't mean you're not working. You're doing your work very deeply, but you're not trying to force things to be what they're not. Uh, so professionally, it's that. And then I always have one that's just kind of about fun. And this year, that one is um, trying to take as many raw loads as I can before. Oh my god! <laughs> before Truvada <laughs> resistance. I was just about to take you serious, and then you probably <laughs> just about oh you. Before Truvada resistance. Ho brought us back um, to ho. Ho brings us back to ho. Pops right. Ho got a ho. Ho got a ho. So if you're about that life, uh, yeah, go ahead and slide into my 2019 DMs, I everybody. Another, <laughs> oh my god! Just a final note. Another, <laughs> we will not. I will not episode. end on that. <laughs> um, I, I mean, uh, one resolution that I also adopted kind of in November that has been a really great mantra for me is actually a tweet by a one Jabuki Young White, and it is, <sighs> the earth is melting, send the risky text message. Yes! Because truly, fair, this planet will not be in existence within Correct. like 40, 50 years. So like, send the goddamn risky text message. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Yeah. And do that was professionally as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Write the and risky thing. It applies thing. to yep. anything. Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. I'm just going to do more flirting in person. Ooh. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. That's a good one. Because, I mean, I do like it, but I forget. I, I So you just get scared. You know, you get yeah. scared and inhibited. And it's just like, the world is on fire. Flirt with somebody. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to just do more self-care. Oh, baby. I really need to be better about that. <laughs> self-care. Did it. <laughs> this episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé mm. and our new home at Forever Dog. Our producer is the living, breathing, emphatic Italian hand gesture, Alexander De Palma. <laughs> Pizza. Our, our social media manager is a very on-brand lazy femme bottom and proud Christina Tucker. Yes. yes. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or Fran will have his fourth panic attack of the week. <laughs> of the day. Don't day. do this to me. I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-E-B-S on all relevant social no. media. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squish Co. on all social media and also Venmo. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. And I'm Dennis Norris II, and you can find me in church, just kidding, on Twitter (laughs) (laughs) at the Earl Denden. T-H-E-E-A-R-L-D-E-N-D-E-N. Did you say Joe Azza said Poitcom? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fuck you. Get out. <laughs> Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod where each week we pin some questions to the top of our page to continue the discussion of this week's main topic. Sign up for our newsletter to see the list of everything we're reading and some... Extra delectable content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, send us your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics. Honestly, at thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts spelled how? T H O T. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. Cream pie. (laughs) (laughs) You bitch. Cream pie. (laughs) You dusty, crusty, bird ass bitch. Once again, I wish we were a live radio show so that Alex had a button that just said cream pie. Cream pie, cream pie, cream pie. Cream pie. Cream pie. Cream pie. Cream pie. Cream pie. That is the sound that cream pies make when you push them back out of your pie. And then we And then we also it's just Beyonce saying good, good. Good, good. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 